Welcome back to the show, everyone. Craig here. Um, so uh, I'm going to probably be doing more episodes, um, some of those just as me, and um, a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, sometimes it's just difficult for Joan and I to um, find a time that works well for us, especially if you know there's something that's kind of kind of on my heart or his heart at one particular time. So I'm going to probably be putting out a little more content than normal. So rather than twice a week, probably going to be three, four, maybe more times a week. They won't all necessarily be episodes. Uh, some of them are just going to be videos uh, on our YouTube page. I tend to put most of the video content on YouTube and TikTok. TikTok only because it's just kind of fun to interact with people. Uh, there aren't, not surprisingly, there, there does not seem to be a lot of middle-aged sort of conservative Catholic men or women on TikTok. So it's a it's sort of a foreign audience, but that kind of makes it fun. Um, I've started to uh, tweet a little more. So if you if you like. Um, I, I personally, I like Twitter anyway. I like the interaction and, and the bantering. So we do have a, um, a TikTok and Instagram account. I don't really get any, um, I want to say, there, no one really seems to follow the Instagram account, which has typically just been posting uh, shorts uh, videos over there. Um, and uh, what, what, what I've kind of been doing is posting some, um, I don't know, jokes or observations on Twitter, and I'll usually post them on to Instagram. So if you don't have Twitter, but you want to see some of the the, the bantering, uh, you might check out Instagram. Um, the video content will primarily be on YouTube. Uh, obviously, the audio is available on Spotify and Apple and other places. And uh, TikTok is sort of the middle ground. Uh, I'll put some videos on TikTok. Um, um, and, and if you're if you're on that platform, uh, please go check us out and uh, interact with us. It's a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, um, and, and for those that don't want to listen to me blabber on, but uh, like the, the content with Jonah, I'll try and put in the title, like if it's just me, it'll be a C. If it's Craig and Jonah, it'll be CJ. And, and I always kind of put it right in the initial description. So Craig discusses or Craig and Jonah discuss this. So if you want to avoid listening to me drone on, uh, you'll, I guess you'll find out pretty quickly if it's just me or both of us. Um, so I wanted to do an episode today um, for a couple of reasons. Um, so I did a reflection video yesterday. I don't think I made an episode number, but I just put it out there. Um, kind of talking about my reflections on NFP and abstinence and all that. For those that haven't figured out, uh, I have a very um, love-hate, mostly hate relationship with uh, NFP and abstinence and um, various things that the church tells us about what we can and can't do. Um, 
So uh, yesterday was sort of near the end of um, an abstinence period for us. And um, the PMAS is just very, very um, acute at that point in time. And and I think that's really one of the things that, that Joan and I have articulated that is uh, of great value to um, those that hear it is the, the man's experience in specifically how the more time that goes on from intimacy, the um, it's not just like we're just this parallel line. It it is increasing or decreasing, however you want to look at it. In in uh, frustration and difficulty, the longer it goes on, the more intense the physical, uh, emotional, mental, spiritual um, uh, weight of that process and that cross. Uh, and especially when you get towards the very end of the, you know, for most of us, it's a 10 to 14 day window in there where you have to abstain. Uh, it's just pretty much miserable. And I talk about that a little bit. I I was actually going to record a video last night if I had a chance just talking about, just trying to describe the sensation, trying to describe the feelings. Uh, it didn't work out. It wasn't a, sort of a quiet place in our house that I could go record. Um, But maybe I'll try and do that right now. So, um. You know, it's it's a combination of things. And like I said, it kind of gets worse over time. But PMAS, so post-marital act syndrome, the way it works is when you, when you have intimacy, um, there is this initial bliss. And, and there's, a, of course, there's the uh, extreme pleasure and relief that goes on really right at the time of the act. And let's say in the hour or so afterwards, um, fall asleep, whatever. Um, the next day is what we call the bliss period. And the bliss period is just, I think, I think that's kind of what men are designed to be at. I mean, it, you know, you just all that pressure and tension is gone. Um, your attitude is positive. You feel just very good. Um, feel very affectionate towards your wife very optimistic. Um, no, there's no ten, uh, temptation or, or urge to um, do do things that are sinful. Um, not really a strong desire to be intimate again, although most of us could probably make, pull that off. But, you know, the day one bliss is really just the most amazing part of all this. And I think that I think that's probably the number one misunderstanding that a lot of women have about men is it it's not just about the pleasure of the act itself. Um, that's what I hear a lot when people are kind of reminding men that you gotta you gotta uh, be strong, you gotta have self mastery. You don't want to just have the pleasure. Like if if there was a way to enjoy the day one bliss without um, intimacy. I would be all on board for that. Not that I want to give up intimacy, but the day one bliss period, in my opinion, is far more value and long lasting than the pleasure of the initial act itself. And it, it just totally transforms our day and our life and our attitude as men. Um, and, and so that's what drives us to at least drives me, and I know Jonah just talks about this too. It just changes everything for the better, uh, personally, and and um, in terms of your connection to your wife and the feelings you have for her. The day one bliss period is is 
the main benefit to intimacy. And um, I, I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure how common that understanding is. I don't think I don't think a lot of women or, or priests would ever understand that. So anyway, uh, the bliss period is, you know, day one is that. And then, you know, kind of tapers off day two. And then by day three, uh, you're kind of starting to feel feel things a little bit. Day four, day four uh, is when I think the uh, PMAS, sort of the uh, the hormones have all caught back up. Your body has reproduced uh, what it produces and things are kind of full down there. And you just start to develop this tension um, which is really hard to describe, but it's not just in your head. It's a physical manifestation that kind of starts in the groin area, but kind of expands outward into the legs. You know, yesterday, my legs were kind of tingling and just felt uncomfortable all the way up into your chest and um, to where there's almost this light heartburn feeling. I don't know if you've ever had indigestion or heartburn, but that's sort of what it feels like. That all goes away once once you have intimacy. The bliss period is is an absence of all that. So um, that is, uh, to me, the most most important thing um, that people need to understand. And it really segues to something I think Joan and I are going to talk about here in the near future is this notion of <clears throat> do men need sex or do men need intimacy uh, and does anyone die from not having that? I think I think it depends a lot on what you how you define need um, and how you define die. I, I think I think this is where I think these these terms and ideas get thrown around very casually without thinking about what they mean. Um, yeah, I mean, um, we have lots of physical and spiritual needs. Let me give you an example. Humans are um, creatures, um, social creatures, okay? Um, we actually, it's healthy for us to have human interaction with other people. We like communities. We're, we're built that way. Loneliness is not healthy for humans. Does it mean you'll die from loneliness or that there aren't periods of loneliness? But the human person is healthier when they are in a group of people than they are by themselves that's why like solitary confinement is just pure torture for people so yeah i mean yeah i mean if i i say that when we if we think about need what does what does a man need for um maximum human flourishing to be the best man that he can be physically emotionally vocationally spiritually uh father to his children stuff like that yes intimacy is a need for all that does it mean that he can't survive without it no but you know if if, if you if if your standard is is what will allow someone to flourish and be the best version of themselves then yes intimacy and sex is a need for men that's just the reality of it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make, I didn't design us. I didn't build humans. I'm just telling you how it is. Um, and so, yes, if someone asks, is intimacy, is sex a need for men? I would say yes, absolutely. Especially for married men. Um, 
And, um, you know, getting sort of the question as well, no one ever dies from not having sex. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what you mean by that. Do, do I fall over dead like Onan? No. Um, does it, uh, does living in a, in a prolonged state of disequilibrium, where there's a big word pulled out, um, or distress, um, over time, I think so. I think I think your your ability to be healthy is uh, a, is a long term process, not just do I you know if I <clears throat> if I go up to the store and I buy a pack of cigarettes and I smoke them all right now, is it going to kill me? Well, depends what you mean. Am I going to fall over dead smoking them now? No. If I smoke those every day for the next 20 years is there a much better chance it's going to kill me for one right one way or another yeah probably um so that i think is you know really important to keep in mind is men are not designed for prolonged um state of distress and that includes their intimate lives men in a let's say a sexless marriage or something a very sexually unfulfilling marriage are under constant emotional um emotional and mental stress that is not good for the body it just isn't um the long-term effects of that i guess probably varies by men but yes that is a harmful thing and and one i want to address i want to address this whole notion itself the 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 bar for what what we consider acceptable for our beloved to endure should not be whether it kills them. <laughs> I really don't like that whole notion itself. Well, if it doesn't kill you, you know, I guess it's okay for you to endure that. No, I, there's a lot of things I would protect my wife from that are not going to kill her. And and quite frankly, I look I look to prevent anything that will make her uncomfortable or, or life less enjoyable for her. doesn't mean I can remove all those things, but I, the, 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 um, the standard for what we should want for our spouses should be much higher than, well, will it kill them or not? Same thing with our children. They go outside without a jacket on and shoes and it's in the fall and it's cold. Is it going to kill them right now? No, but could make them sick. It's not good for them. Maybe they're going to miss some school. Um, we we don't treat our children that way. We, we most of us don't treat our friends and loved ones that way. Why would we why would we have such a high bar for what is considered acceptable treatment of our spouses i don't get that at all so um now that that doesn't mean that um that men should have their every need met i'm not saying that but i think it's i think it's really unfair and and unhelpful to use that idea as a justification the idea that you know no i'm not going to fall over dead today if if i don't have my needs for intimacy met but that should not be the standard. It should be what will enable my spouse to live the most fulfilling um, life they can right now. And is it is it within my my reasonable means to accomplish that and make that available to them? Um, <clears throat> a couple other things I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, so uh, 
Speaking of Twitter, so if you go over to Twitter now, this I didn't do this under the Uncharted Catholic Man account, um, but I did get on a Twitter dispute, a personal Twitter dispute um, yesterday with uh, people arguing about the concept of masturbation and um, you know the philosophical groundwork. And, and someone someone kind of tried to point out the kind of the philosophical evolution of our views of masturbation and how it really didn't, wasn't really an issue until I think the year 1000, uh, you know, certainly Aquinas, and, and they were kind of trying to evaluate that. And one guy chimed up and and, and I, I basically said, look, uh, the church teaches what it does about masturbation. I'm not here to say that's wrong. It is what it is. But there is, from what I can tell, no scientific or um, medical or just other good explanation for why it's wrong other than the church says it's wrong. And I'm the church says what it says, but it there does not, for a lot of things, let, let me give you this example. Um, the church also says that we should not, you know, we have to be faithful to our spouses. We should not be out having affairs. Um, that is a clear moral teaching, but it also just kind of correlates to reality. It's not good for a marriage for one person to be out having an intimate relationship with someone else. It's going to create heartache if they found, find out and reasonably, you know, reasonably so there is the the risk that someone is going to bring some sort of a disease back into the relationship. There's the risk of, um, you know, bringing a child out of wedlock into another relationship. There's the, you know, what if it gets discovered and some, you know, it's an embarrassing for the marriage and the husband or the wife loses their job or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of very negative consequences that will or can and probably will come to the marriage if someone engages in that. So there is a there is a corresponding sort of real world harm to the person and to the marriage by engaging in those things that we consider immoral. So that's what I mean is so when I say yes, the church teaches that adultery is wrong, but they're also even if it didn't teach that necessarily, there is a good practical um, experiential reason why that's just a good idea to follow. I don't think that, I don't think that it's the same for masturbation. I think um, with, let's just, let's just limit it for purposes of this podcast to the uh, married man or woman who's in a committed relationship. Um, you know, the, the idea that, that one or both of them masturbating, whether in secret or with the knowledge of the other spouse. Um, in I would say the most common situation where it comes up is because of the the responsibilities of parenthood, responsibilities of natural family planning, et cetera, that uh, regular intimacy is just not as is just is not always possible. And and if if masturbation were to occur in that situation because one or both spouse just can't you know need some re some relief from that 
I, I cannot see how there'd be any harm to there. Um, I, I just don't, there would not be any obvious physical, psychological, and if anything, probably a benefit to the marriage in that the uh, spouse that's dealing with very, very powerful and, and, and sort of debilitating sexual urges gets some relief from that. Yes, there's some benefit to self-mastery, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about normal people uh, trying to live faithfully to the church's teaching and are just trying to, you know, uh, release some of the pressure. There is no obvious reason to me why, other than what the church says, there would be anything wrong with that or harmful to the marriage, and probably it would be helpful to the marriage. So that was the discussion that we got into, and I just simply argued, look, um, the church teaches what it teaches. As Catholics, you know, we it's clear what we're supposed to do relative to that, but that doesn't mean we, we need to pretend that Thomas Aquinas and his whole um, view about the natural ends of the act itself makes sense. Like, it makes sense to those that already believe it, but it's not very persuasive to those that don't. So I said, let's just be real about it. Like th there would be, other than the, if, if the church didn't tell us masturbation was wrong, there would really be no good reason to consider it wrong other than we just have sort of this ancient puritanical superstition about it. I mean, that's my humble opinion. I mean, it could be wrong. Maybe there's some underlying nefarious thing there, but I, <clears throat> I, I was, you know, we just had that art, but it, it just... It just shocks me to see people get up and say, oh, yeah, Quint Thomas Aquinas talks about the natural end, the act, and everything else is a disorder, and this and that. And, um, that makes sense. No, it doesn't make real-world sense. Maybe it makes philosophical sense. Maybe it makes some theological sense. But in the real lived experience, it doesn't. And that's all I was saying. Um, that's kind of why this podcast started is because there is this – I would say there's this void around our theology and philosophy of no one can really is really allowed to come out and say what we all kind of whisper in our hearts. And we're just trying to be transparent about it. We're trying to be faithful Catholics. We're not here to tell anyone to disregard anything the church teaches. But I think I think it's helpful, if if not cathartic, to be able to at least um talk about what we believe within the real world context of people's lived experiences, especially as married couples using NFP and having children. So anyway, sorry about all that. That was just kind of a rambling thing I needed to get off my chest, but um, that's why we're here. Um, oh, the other thing that I wanted to, to, to say uh, why I brought up that Twitter dispute is I, I, I kind of pressed this guy because because some of the stuff he said is like oh so it sounds like you're a you're a single female <laughs> from what he was saying he's like oh no I'm married and I'm I'm a male I'm a married man and a Catholic married man and um, of course this was sort of injustice as well I said consider me surprised that you uh, are a married man and never masturbate and, and he of course responds like I don't talk about my intimate life on online, which is fine. I mean, that's probably the prudential thing to do, but it's just kind of a stark reality is like we, 
it's very comfortable to get out and talk about what the church teaches, and especially when when it means pointing fingers at other people. I won't name names or groups, but there's a lot of that out there. Um, but when it comes to like, well, what, and my, my basic advice says, look, if you're just doing all these things anyway that you say are wrong, that that's one thing. It kind of makes you a hypocrite, makes all of us a hypocrite. Or I said, number two, if you figured out how to get through and not have any of those issues and you're not sharing it, that's kind of selfish. <laughs> so, th- so this podcast is the opposite of that. This podcast, Jonah and I try our very best to be transparent about the real, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because so much of it never gets talked about in uh, polite Catholic circles. So we do our best to do that. So that's why we're sharing this. That's why we're talking. That's probably why uh, the frequency of the content is probably going to go up a little bit too. So um, for those of you that stuck through all that, thank you. Uh, stay tuned. I hope you are enjoying the content. Um, you know, we we do always really value and appreciate any comments or feedback people can give Um uh, it it helps us, but we'll we'll do our best to keep doing it, whether anyone listens or not. Um, so anyway, well, until next time, everyone, have a good one.